You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Welcome to Northern Lights MCC. We are part of a worldwide Christian denomination who celebrate the essential Christian message that inclusive love of God is for everyone. You're very welcome if this is your first time, if you've joined us before in person or online, maybe this is your home church, maybe you've been away for a long time. Welcome. So let's take a moment to still ourselves in God's presence and let go of the busyness and the burdens of the week that we've just had. Amen. This Sunday, we are continuing with exploring the question, what is faith? Just a little one, just just an easy one there. Um, And our preachers so far this month have offered a range of different reflections on this theme. And tonight we're going to hear from Morgan, um, who with the help from readings from the Gospel of Matthew and the letter of James, he's going to consider the interrelationship between personal faith, the Christian community and wider community outreach. So as we settle into the service, let us let us pray. Loving God, open our hearts to the spirit that we might, with your help, discern the meaning of the gospel and carry this out into the world. Amen. The New Testament reading is from James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, verse 26. What good is it, my siblings, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a sibling, brother or sister, is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I buy my works, we show you my faith. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, 
and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we ask that your truth will be revealed for us, as it was for Simon Peter, so that we understand better the meaning of faith for us, for our friends and for our community. Amen. As many of you will know, we have been reflecting for several weeks on the question, what is faith? And so I have had the benefit of listening to three inspirational talks on the subject, which have been very helpful for me towards answering the question, what is faith? In fact, they've been so helpful that I don't think there is much that I can usefully add to their contributions. But in case you missed one or more of their talks, I will try to summarise part of what they said. On the other hand, if you did listen very attentively to all three sermons, I hope that you forgive, and even more importantly, I hope that the preachers forgive, the crudity of my attempt to reduce the power of their eloquence in a few words. So first of all, three weeks ago, David pointed out the limitations of the traditional simplistic approach to faith as the recital of statements of belief like in the various creeds. Because, as he said, if we're being honest, there are components of the creeds which are very difficult to understand, let alone commit ourselves to. In reality, faith is only meaningful as a personal commitment. David explained to us that faith as a personal commitment implies that everyone's faith is different that I can't expect my faith to be the same as yours. And that's to be expected because God is beyond the created order, beyond our comprehension, and therefore each one of us cannot expect to grasp more than one glimpse of God. And each one of us will have a rather different glimpse. It is my truth, my faith, and my relationship with my God. In our Gospel reading today, we heard that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They replied that people had all sorts of reactions to Jesus, and it was clear that everyone's understanding was different. One of the disciples said that he had heard a couple of times, that Jesus reminded people of John the Baptist. Another disciple remembered the comment that Jesus was exactly like Elijah. Though, of course, the strength of that comparison was undermined by the fact that no one alive had actually seen Elijah, who had passed away a rather long time ago. But this suggestion about Elijah provoked others into the equally remarkable contention that the likeness to Jeremiah was much more striking than the likeness to Elijah. 
And once this chatter had been unleashed, this became a game for any number of players. And we are told that comparisons were drawn between Jesus and a great variety of prophets, as idolised by a wide variety of people. OK, OK, said Jesus, a little disappointed that they'd missed the point of this question. Whatever. But who do you say that I am? The enthusiastic chatter was suddenly stopped by this direct personal question. Who do you say that I am? As was often the case, it was Simon, who we normally refer to as Peter, who assumed the leadership role when a difficult situation arose or when there was a slightly uncomfortable silence. So it was Simon who broke the silence by saying, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. All eyes were in Peter. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now that sounded impressive. The disciples were well accustomed to Peter saying the first thing that came into his head in order to break the silence. Even if, on reflection, it was not always the wisest comment. Indeed, if we collate all the sayings and activities of Jesus, record, of Peter, recorded for us in the Bible, Peter's words and actions suggest that he was among the least stable of all the disciples. But he was the big alpha male in the group. And today, Peter sounded uncharacteristically thoughtful and impressive. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. So all eyes turned from Peter to Jesus to gauge the reaction of Jesus. And the reaction of Jesus could not have been more positive. Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, because the depth of your insight, your understanding, your faith in me has come from God. It was certainly not inevitable that an ordinary labourer like you, a guy with as many human weaknesses as anyone around, would have this clarity of insight. You are blessed and you will be blessed. And I'm talking to you, Simon. Yes, you, Simon, son of Jonah. Now, Jesus and Simon Peter were surrounded by a sizable group, but it was an intensely personal moment. It was a personal statement of Peter's own faith. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. As David explained to us, faith is a personal commitment. Peter was not reciting a list of things he had learnt in a creed, things which he thought might be the right answer. Peter was not someone known for weighing his words carefully. And anyway, Jesus was well able to distinguish an attempt to please from a spontaneous gut reaction. The concept of the relationship between God and Jesus, which Peter had glimpsed, was inevitably not the same as the understanding of the other disciples. But it was his glimpse 
and it was powerful. Jesus had no hesitation in declaring that this faith of Peter was personal to Simon, son of Jonah. It was real to this specific guy and it was certainly faith. All very impressive. But this was only the first part of what Jesus said to Peter. Immediately after Jesus commended Peter's personal statement of faith, Jesus made it clear that this leap of faith, however impressive it might be, was only the beginning of the road for Peter. Because the second part of what Jesus said to Peter was the announcement to everyone that Peter would be the foundation for his church. At the time, the disciples were probably quite a bit puzzled about what this might mean, the foundation for a church. So if it was not too, cl much too clear at the time, it's not surprising if the meaning of this statement has been the source of lively debate among Christians over the following 2,000 years. Now I'm going to sidestep all the complicated linguistic and theological arguments to focus this evening on what I hope might be some less contentious implications of the words of Jesus to Peter. I believe that a couple of more straightforward points would seem to follow from saying that Peter would be the foundation of the church. First of all, it's important that the very personal words of Jesus to Peter, blessed are you, don't eclipse the inclusive words of Jesus, which immediately follow. Although Peter was certainly going to be pivotal in the development of a church, it seems to me that Jesus was confirming to Peter and to the disciples that Peter would not be the only torchbearer for Christianity. When the group of disciples heard Jesus say to Peter that on this rock his church would be built, this was a message for all the disciples, not just for Peter, that a whole church would be established. Peter may be the foundation of the church, but he would not be the church. The disciples were probably not too surprised if they thought that Jesus was endorsing something they had come to accept, that Peter had become a sort of de facto head disciple. It would continue to be Peter and friends. As a growing church, the number of Christian friends would grow and grow. Peter may be the foundation of the church, but he would not be the church. Peter may be a very special name, but Jesus would continue to take the highest honour. So I think the two parts of the comments of Jesus go hand in hand. In the first part, Jesus said that Simon, son of Jonah, was personally blessed and the strength of his personal faith was the essential starting point. In the second part, and almost in the same breath, Jesus moved from the personal faith to the community church. On you, Jesus said to Peter, on you as an individual, I will build my church. But the church will be something far more than you and far more than a collection of individuals. 
Jesus was presenting the disciples with the concept of a single church community, rather than suggesting that each disciple should just do their own thing. There is a limit to which isolated hermits can love and support each other. The message of the God of love necessitates loving support within a loving Christian community. So although Peter's personal faith may be an essential starting point, Jesus did not promise Peter that evil would not prevail over him as a person. He did not say that the gates of Hades would not overcome you. What he said was that the gates of Hades will not overcome my church. And all this links with Judith's message last week when she explained the story of the Canaanite woman. The Church of Jesus is not just a church for Peter or even for the assorted collection of Jews who constituted the original disciples. It's made up of anyone who was willing to start making the journey of faith. As Judith pointed out last week, at the time of Jesus, the great leap forward was understanding that the gospel was for Gentiles as much as for Jews. The faith of the Canaanite woman and the faith of the centurion were at least as strong as the faith of the followers who had a Jewish background. In this tradition, the Metropolitan Community Church tries to present the love of Jesus as applicable for all. Whatever our ethnicity, whatever our social background, whatever our sexuality, whatever our record of behaviour, we take the view that Jesus founded a church for sinners. As Judas said, everyone deserves a spiritual home. We are all welcome to take our own leap of faith and join in the building of the church which will not be overcome by evil. So we move outwards from personal faith to join with a vast array of Christian friends in a collective endeavour. And that's it, according to today's reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. But if that is it, we have here as good example as any of the dangers of considering one part of the Bible in isolation from the overall Gospel. Because from the life and teachings of Jesus, it's very clear that joining with Christian friends in a mutual support society should not be the end in itself, even though it is an absolutely essential component of the Christian journey. Two weeks ago, Ronnie spoke to us about climbing out of the boat. He argued that it was not enough to wait for people to find us when they need us, but we should try to find new ways to reach out to those in need. He pointed out that the church was not established by Jesus to be our church because it remained his church. As Ronnie reminded us, we are not engaged in our ministry, but the ministry of Jesus. This important point permeates not only the four Gospels, but also the various books of the New Testament. 
and it's very clearly presented in the letter from St. James read to us earlier this evening. What good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose, Sir James, someone is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, mm, sorry you're cold and hungry, hope you get warm and find something to eat, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? James does not think that this question deserves an answer. He just concludes with some very strong words. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith, whatever that may mean for each individual, is certainly an essential starting point. The mutual support of an inclusive Christian fellowship is also an essential component of the faith journey. Faith, if divorced from the Christian fellowship of friends, lacks the loving enrichment to nourish us on our faith journey. But we are also challenged to go further, further than faith, further than Christian friends, to accept that there are no frontiers to Christianity. By climbing out of whatever faith haven we are clinging to, whether it's a building, a boat, or just a piece of rock. The faith journey may have started at the rock of Peter, but there is still a long way to go before we reach the final frontier. Now's the time in our service when we come together to pray. As is custom in our Northern Lights Church service at the time of prayer, I light a candle in recognition and remembrance of those lost to and affected by HIV and AIDS. The red ribbon is a symbol of HIV awareness and support. The candle is a symbol of hope. The action that we repeat every week in lighting this candle is a confirmation of our commitment to follow the example of Jesus, of love, acceptance and honouring the worth of each individual. It also feels right today to hold those in heart and mind that have been affected by COVID-19 those that have been enfolded in God's loving embrace in death, and those who mourn loved ones that have passed. Currently, COVID-19 is a threat not only to the lives and health of all, but it's also a barrier keeping us apart from each other. As we pray today as sisters, brothers and siblings together, I ask that we hold each other in our hearts and minds. Although we're not able to meet in person, our spiritual community is one that encompasses all. So as we come together and pray, let us come together as a people united in faith, in love and in support of each other. Please pray with me. 
Creator God, we come before you today in gratitude for all you have given us and in humility in what we ask. As a church, we are in the process of change. COVID-19 has meant that we come together as a church in spirit while remaining physically apart. We are to have changes to our elected board and we recently welcomed new members. We ask you to guide us as a group of people all trying in different circumstances to come together and to live as your son guided us to live. Our gospel today drew our hearts and our minds to whom we say Jesus is and to recall Peter's profession of faith. Like Peter, we declare Jesus to be the Messiah, your son. We ask for your continued support to bear witness to the work of Jesus and in our endeavour to follow his example. We ask for the strength and courage to maintain and declare our faith in times of difficulty, when everything feels hard and when we need your warm, safe arms around us the most. Mother God, we ask that you pour your love upon those that suffer and help them find the soothing balm of peace within their lives. We pray for our sisters, brothers and siblings who are unwell and struggling, and we pray for those in our book of prayer. We hold Fiona in our hearts. We ask that you shine your light and your love on her. Loving Mother, we ask for your love and protection to be with all people seeking asylum people that risk their lives in dangerous situations to reach safety. The recent death of a 16-year-old boy whose life tragically ended in an attempt to reach the UK is one of countless tragedies. We pray for the detained, the abused and the forgotten. We honour each life lost in the struggle for equal rights. We ask that those in positions of power, making difficult decisions with far-reaching consequences, are able to open their hearts and their minds to your loving wisdom. Please soften their hearts, Mother. Grant them the wisdom and courage to be change-makers, to be boldly compassionate and to reject harm. We ask that you are with the people of Belarus who are currently in crisis protesting against the rule of their government. Many lives are being lost. We ask that you hold these people, those that suffer and those in despair. We ask you hold them in your care. We thank you, Mother, for the blessings in our lives. We thank you for the beauty of this world that you have given to us to care for. We thank you for the people in our lives that bring us joy and happiness. We endeavour to do our best with what we have. We make our prayers today in faith and in love for you. We humbly lay them before you, Mother. 
We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, whose work is a beacon and a guide for us all. As he taught us, we offer you this, our prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Let us say together the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website northernlightsmcc.org.uk